This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13 Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that appreciates any and all lovers of lycanthropy (laughs) my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we continue our celebration of all things local as we look back to the past and to the future of kansas city filmmaker patrick ray and whether you've rock chalked a jayhawk or not you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your arbor hole. Multiple ways you could take that. I appreciate that. Uh, now, technically, you can find us, I guess, arboring out on social media. Trenanigans. That that works. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. on what used to be known as Twitter at Nightmare Junk. X gonna give it to you. Gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. Not really. No, no, not really. I'll, much like I'll never call that other thing beyond what it is, Sandstone Amphitheater. Oh, it's, it's Sandstone. It's always Sandstone. It's always Twitter. And it'll always be Twitter. Now, of course, we are also on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to... Shenanigans! And as previously stated, Treenanigans! And this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, August 18th. Woo! Mm-hmm. If you find yourself in the Kansas City area and you're a genre fan, uh, you should go to Screenland.com, where they will have your tree-nanigans taken care of indoors. Outdoors. And possibly virtually. And more importantly, yes. go to the Friday Night Fright tab, and the Friday this episode is releasing, Genius That's, McGee. They said there's no snacks in the jungle. You see this here? That's a bitch snack. If you ever wanted to see a cavalcade of character actors getting chomped upon by a giant snake, mm-hmm. we better see mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. for freaking Anaconda. Mm-hmm. Man, it's my day off and I'm getting attacked by a snake. Anaconda, you got knocked the fuck up! And I'll also say this. If you show up early enough, I have a treasure trove of early, kind of not pervy stuff of Kari Wurr from MTV. Not remote control, mind you, but from, like, spring break days. Ooh, are we going to the uh, Eight-Legged Freaks pre-show cavalcade goodness? (laughs) Because there was some treats in that one. Show up early for the treats, but definitely then stay. For the the big schnick. Now, looking forward to next Friday Night's Friday. And that wink. Oh, the wink after? Yeah. And also, let's just face it. Who doesn't want to see John Voight get chomped upon and mauled by a giant snake. Plus, wow, that's a big snake over there, man. I wonder how many belts that can make. Just, doesn't he get like a wasp in his throat for the entirety of the film? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Now, what is not a shame will be next Friday Night's Fright. Mm-hmm. And this has been on my radar for quite some time mm-hmm. because... <laughs> We're going to walk the plank! We're going to walk the plank! Are we going to make mating noises? Oh, my God. We're going to make mating noises. <sighs> We're going to walk the plank. And it is a Stephen King-approved film. Yes, it is. We're going to talk about barbecue because cooking the steak is right. Is like yeah, cooking the steak. Because like, when you have to build the smoke into the smoke, yeah, the smoke. And more importantly, more importantly, we're going to talk about how I'm really sensitive, sensitive I am with about my, hairline. my hairline. I'm just I've been losing it for a while. 1980s 
alligator in a 4K restoration. Fucking alligators, the shit. I love it. In 4K and all of its stop miniature sewer breaking glory. All of the sewer. <laughs> okay, Friday Night Freight fans out there, just know that when the pool scene happens. Oh, the monstrous giggles. You are going to hear me guffaw because I'm holding back laughter just thinking about it right now. Watch the plague. No! Home. <laughs> Let's just say, I wish, and I could probably go back to the initial text I got from one genius when he watched that for the first time, and he reacted going, wow, wow, this is kind of perfect. Alligator's wonderful. One of my favorite creature features of all time. Now, going back to the weekend of the 18th, uh, other repertory screenings that are happening, and speaking of 4K restorations, and uh, you know what? I'll say it here because I like to be honest with our audience. It's an I've seen that for me, but you can see old boy... 4K, and I, I honestly, 4K with the squid chomping scene, I think would probably be worth it. Okay, so you are now going to come on an episode of Media Rewind, <laughs> and we're going to watch the old boy. Oh, I hope there's no him. It's coming down off the sky. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to have a good time watching old boy. I'm going to have a good time with it. I well, will... you're not going to have a good time. No. But, but you're going to be entertained. And again, because I, I know what happens, but I haven't seen how the journey takes place. Now... And other repertory screenings that are happening, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. We have nothing to do with it, so you'll have a good time. Right. Participation. A movie that's, and I've seen that for me, but it was also one of those films back in the day, especially in high school when I was a metalhead. Uh, I always heard about the razor blade and the nipple scene, but uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall? Oh, dude, I've yeah. seen that. I First time I saw that movie, I don't remember seeing that movie because we were fucked up you saw it appropriately mm-hmm. i assume that's mm-hmm. fair but that's i'm fair. a big I'm a, i love me some pink floyd well it's just it's always one of those things i just assume laser light shows mm-hmm. pink floyd's rad now no smoking inside the screenland armor theater no, the, however it is in missouri that's fine, so yeah, yeah go all above it. board now another one that's and i've seen that for me and i guess it's fairly appropriate and relevant given kind of the current political climate uh but the movie dick with Kirsten Dunst. I've seen some dick movies before. <laughs> and Michelle Williams. And probably with Michelle Williams, actually. I've seen, which was the one with her and Seth Rogen, and they have that crazy three-way? Mm. Anyone remember that? Or am I just the only perv and creep in the room? I don't I know. <laughs> no, it's out there. I swear to God, it's out We're there. We're going to be seeing Deke. Which, talk about the, the makers of Inspector Gadget. Did I ever tell you about my idea of an Inspector Gadget porno? So basically what it is... Notice how he gave us no time to say no, thank you. <laughs> All you see is he opens up the... Ch- you just see from behind. He opens up the trench coat and you see... And you hear, go, go, Gadget, right? And then all of a sudden the, the channel flips and through these different things you just see like this like big long thing of like industrial piping just go through like they're talking about like coffee and this is a big industrial pipe is through the background they're talking about like they're like a scene on like the spanish channel big ass industrial pipe in the background it's very naked gun yeah i was gonna say it's very north by northwest actually (laughs) (laughs) and then finally screening outdoors on the 19th on saturday i have seen this one and enjoyed it quite a bit in fact I was living in Lawrence when I saw it, strangely enough. Uh, Jack Black's School of Rock. I like the movie a lot. I've been told that I'm very Jack Blacking at times, especially like back in my teaching days. I can see that. You have an energy <laughs> that I will say that honestly, I think even at our last Friday Night Fright with Levide, mm-hmm. when the ballerina stuff was going on, you started dancing. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but he immediately went to the back of the theater because I was like, oh, Genius is doing his thing. Let's okay. let him... He's getting naked again! No. 
I got a song in my heart. I got to dance. <laughs> now, if you don't live in the Kansas City area and everything you're hearing at Screenland sounds pretty rad, and it is, uh, and you feel like you'd like to support them from afar, well, you can indeed do that. Uh, the easiest way is to become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, if I'm talking Patreon and film family. Hey, bellies. We also have our own little collection of crazies at Patreon. And genius, that collection has grown by one. Woo! Wait. It, I can take down the it's been zero days since our new Patreon, and then I can put a one up there. <laughs> and actually, this is one I think might be thanks to you, as I do believe he was at the screening of Livid. Ah. Nick just joined us. Hey, it's good talking to you, man. I'm glad you're... Welcome to the family. And thankfully, he talked to you, because again, as if anyone knows, I am very Parents. much... <laughs> introvert and definitely not a gimmick but Nick had this to say about I asked him a, a favorite horror film not his all time favorite but a favorite he said I'd say a favorite right now is Oculus a 2013 horror film by Mike Flanagan the first time I watched it I was in the perfect state of mind and found myself entranced just like the characters not questioning what I was seeing and just accepting it probably the most immersive horror experience I've ever had, and it's still a favorite, even though it's not traditionally scary. Well done. And We did an episode on Oculus we, for March Madness. In the mouth of March Madness. First time viewing for me. And if I remember correctly, uh, my first screening of Oculus in the theater, I, I, I was a monster, and I almost got kicked out, because, like, at the very end, the oh, that boom, scene? I'm like, <laughs> like that, and, like, everybody just kind of turned around and looked at me I mean because it was like at the end and so like I couldn't help it it was f you don't understand how many times the Max Katie kind of approach that comes out of him I have to apologize occasionally <laughs> just like he enjoys what he enjoys I can't help it are you going to be under the car later oh god <laughs> yeah but no in my like when I come out I'm going to step on a whole bunch of rakes it's going to be like Good Simpsons reference. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. <laughs> Plenty will show up as more. Now, thank you, Nick, for joining the film family. Thank you for coming out for Friday Night Frights. Tell us what you thought of Livid. Absolutely. And actually, at your tier, my friend. Weird, wasn't it? You can actually access the pre-show and trailers that we had at Friday Night Frights. Ooh. And more importantly, you can actually, uh, he's at the, I've seen that tier, so all new horror episodes. So you can hear our thoughts. Uh, on Talk to Me. Talk to Me. Of which, don't worry, we won't say anything right now. Our guests are giving us that evil eye going, dude, we're about to watch it right after this conversation. Shut the freak up. Should the mood hit, feel free to let them. <laughs> now, if you would like to have access and so much more and to actually have us wax your car a little, uh, become a member of our film family by heading over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. And actually, July is packed with episodes, first timers, mm -hmm. shout, -out shout outs, all sorts of good stuff. Ooh, and shitty Shark Timbers coming up. And you we're going to be talking... Can we can we tell what we're talking about for Shitty Shark Timber for our new horror? J oh, new horror, sure. It's a Megalodon 2. Part 2. We already <laughs> bought shit. We put in the can just for you, right? Right? So you blokes better be fucking happy because I've been waiting and sitting on these expert just to act about me fighting sharks. No, 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 Jason. Take it easy. Don't berate the listeners like that. Listen, Ian. I don't need your shit. I'm trying to fight sharks. All right, all right. But listen, take it easy. Chill out. Relax. And then enjoy it in September. Right on. All right. All right. And if you'd like access to a, to at least an hour of that and so much more, <laughs> head on over tonight. Screw oh, shit. Patreon. I have to uncross my eyes because my eyes roll back into my head as the characters. Come and out. yeah, you truly needed like T 
tea, hot tea and lemon <laughs> on that episode. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Now, quite honestly, since when we were putting this whole thing together, celebrating some of our favorite local artists, there's been someone that has been on the show before, but not proper. Right. Not where an entire episode is devoted to, where we can actually go on long tangents. Because if I remember right, one of the many times we've had him on Dispatches, I think we started talking about Star Wars, amongst many things. And we're like, wait, wait, what were we talking about Don't originally? get me started. We, we, we had the time <laughs> to get started. Now, you might know our next guest from a variety of films, including a film that is celebrating its, I believe, 10th year of horror, Nailbiter, uh, the recent lycanthropy revenge flick, I Am Lisa, and the upcoming They Wait in the Dark. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, Patrick Ray. Hello. Hello, good sir. I'm glad to be here. I, it's legit. I'll, I tr- I'll try not to go on tangents. I, I, no, 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 no. Please do. <laughs> tangents <laughs> are <do>. encouraged <laughs> on this show. But more than anything, though, it's so funny because when we always talk off mic, we go yeah. on tangents. Yeah, no, it's... That's just kind of when I think our natural sensibilities in terms of kind of our age range, if we're being honest. Well, right. And, and horror movies, you just talking about horror movies, you can go on a million tangents. There's just, you know, so many sub-genres that you can discuss, you know? Well, and also, it's kind of a vernacular when you throw out quotes and then someone will quote you back. It's like musicians, call right. and response. A, yeah, exactly. You know when you're with a horror fan, when you say, like, a line from, like... Big Trouble in Little China, and then they respond with the next line. Or, indeed! Not that that's how, not that, <laughs> indeed! It's so not really it, horror, but it is. It's one it's of my Jason. movies. It's horror Jason. Yeah. It's genre. It is, it's, exactly. And, and, who ca- and that's the thing. We are a horror podcast, so yes, we're horror-centric. Some of our... We just recently started here in April. We did a whole month devoted to non-horror stuff. Probably our most listened-to <laughs> episodes. We talked UHF, <laughs> 9 to 5, and RRR. And so I think people are. What always, an interesting combination! It's outside of genre, mm-hmm. or it's it, but it, it's all genre. It's but genre, but it's it's a different stuff, flavor. Yeah, outside of horror, but horror though is the glue, I think that brings a lot of this together. Absolutely. So before we get into kind of what we're talking about here, please tell our listeners where can they find you out on the social media? Uh, plug and promote away. Uh, I am on Facebook, but I'm, I'm currently maxed out. I don't <laughs> five thousand people. I don't know. Uh, I. So Patrick M. Ray on on uh, Facebook. I'm on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. It still says Twitter.com when you go to it um, at Patrick M. Ray. And then um, also Instagram. And I just got on uh, TikTok, which you can find. I started posting, like, trailers to some of my films and stuff on TikTok because, you know, I felt the peer pressure. I, I felt like I, I ha- know! I felt like I had to do it. And we so, talked about that on the Talk to right, Me episode right. about like, the we weirdness of social media. We almost have to Well, now. and we started with They Wait in the Dark. We started actually promoting on TikTok uh, Megan Flynn, the producer. She was like, I, we've got to do this. And so I'm like, all right, I'll join. So, um, you is know. It, is it, does it make you feel old? Is it intuitive? It only, it, you know, it only makes me feel old when I'm flipping through the videos. And it's like, this is the music of... Of being in high school in 1994, and I'm like, oh wow, this is. But they always pick a song from the mid '80s, and you're like, well, why are they using this song from right? 1994? But anyway, are you, are you not there <laughs> doing dances? Like, hi, I'm Patrick, and this is the like the Cha Cha Challenge. Or it was very strange the first time I was on TikTok because here we are, we're on a tangent. I was finding cute, cuddly animals like uh, this this little chick and this bunny that somehow were doing these 
amazing things. And then I was finding like like these videos of people like trying to like it was cops breaking the the doors down and, and like arresting people. I'm like, how do I get these combination of like why am I getting these videos? Fuzzy chick gets busted, and then and like... there wasn't a bunny breaking into a house, but it was very strange. The I would flip to the next one, and it would be like cute animal, and then I flip to the next one, and it would be like. It, but then I when they, they announced that UFOs are real, all of a sudden I was getting a lot of those. It's it's know? the weird algorithm and the math right, of our times. Right. Yeah, right. it's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, and I I admit some it, things I've, will never change, and sometimes they'll always remain the same. Regardless, yeah. it's it's ridiculous now. One of the things we just just talked about, Deke and all that kind of stuff, we've never really truly had the opportunity to actually kind of talk about kind of where you got started, sure. your, your, you know, your, your younger years, the formative the years. years. I, um, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, uh, Schuyler, Nebraska, which is actually spelled S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R. Huh? So it's not spelled like you would. It's Schuyler. <laughs> okay. Right. And it's, like, it's about an hour and 15 minutes from Lincoln, uh, about an hour or so from Omaha. So we were pretty close to the big city. Um, but, I mean, like growing up, we had a small town theater. Okay. With two screens, and okay. it was at two screens, um, and a video store in the middle. Mm. So Ooh. it was like you could rent a VHS movie, you could come in, rent a movie, or you could go see a movie on one of the, the screens. One stop shop like that. Yeah. Oh. And, and so usually the R-rated movies were on the right screen, and the PG to PG thirteen movies were on the left. That's fair. So when I would get out of a movie, I would go peek through the door at the R-rated movie. I specifically remember I got out of Dick Tracy. And Total Recall was playing next door, and I poked my eye through the door, and I could see the scene where Schwarzenegger's got the drill, and he drills drills the guy. Screw you. Yeah, screw you. And, oh. um, yeah. I only wish you could have walked in on the three boob. That was the yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, so I, I was, you know, going to the theater. I mean, I started, my parents started taking me in, like, 1983 to the movies there. And um, and it was like the classic small town movie theater mm-hmm. where one person was working the concessions with popcorn, and they had like the you know candy you could see through the glass and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and it was interesting because then the neighboring town, which was about twenty minutes away, had the same thing. They had a movie theater downtown, but you walk in and you can rent movies, you know. And and then you ha- you but that theater had a the main screen with a balcony and then you could go upstairs where they had like a smaller theater and um that was usually where the r-rated movies were upstairs you know so it was yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i remember i saw hudson hawk on that screen oh my you and you maybe on that yeah my mom my mom took me to that movie and it was like oh you know let's go and i liked it i still love that movie but uh, i was gonna say i can't take technically talk any smack because it's kind of an i've seen that for me it's it's a blind spot in my filmography so um you know i grew up you know watching star wars and indiana jones and jaws i actually had that that jaws board game Mm mm-hmm where there was the shark with all the little toys. Things inside of it. Things inside, like the bones and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that too. And yeah, I yeah. used it as a bath toy. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think we got rid of it. It's got to be in like my parents' attic or something like that. But uh, um, So early age, I was watching those movies. And, and um, I, I have vivid memories of my parents bringing home the Dark Crystal. on. <gasps> we, you know, it wasn't laser disc, but it was video disc, right? Oh, yeah. And they were square. Yep. And I actually have a couple still in my house. I have the Star Wars, the original Star Wars movies on video disc. And they looked like big floppy. 
big floppy disks. That's got to be worth something to someone out there. I don't know if I've treated them well enough to be worth anything. Because <laughs> um, I wrote my name on them. You can see, like, my little four-year-old name, I wrote P. Ray on it. Um, and so I, it's funny, because Star Wars had two disks, so you had to watch the movie, and it would stop. I remember... Where, where, where did I'll, it stop? My mind remembers when I watched Star Wars where it would cut off. Where did it cut off? Right before... Um, right as they're going, getting out of light speed... Uh, before they see the Death Star for the first time. Wow. Yeah. So that's no movie. So literally that's my mind, when I, when I watch the movie, I'm like, I, re- I know exactly. It's like when you <laughs> we would record a movie off TV in the right. 80s or 90s, and you remember where the the uh, the, the commercial versions are. Right. Like, like I, ha- I recorded Halloween 2, I think, off of USA in 1994, and I remember exactly where the commercial breaks are and, and where Gilbert Godfrey would talk, you know? <laughs> that sort of thing. So, you know... Um, I was really interested in, in making movies at a very young age, and it wasn't until high school, for some reason, uh, my junior senior year, my high school got its own channel in the middle of small town Nebraska. It was Channel Ninety Nine, and I always tell this story because it's it's silly. And I don't I I'm like we had our own channel, and if you had cable, you could get it, mm-hmm. and it was specifically made for. Um, football and basketball mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. but for whatever reason they let me just do whatever i wanted which that would never fly now <laughs> and i would make these movies with a garden gnome and i would go around and and shoot little episodes where the garden gnome looks cute but then it would attack somebody and i would make the biting noises and record it and put it into the movie and they had like it basically was super vhs mm-hmm. and they had two decks that I could record, like I could do, like sound effects, and rec- you know, it was it was fun. Um, and then I would just go around to all these businesses, and they'd be like, "I know what you're going to do." So I show up at the bowling- <laughs> I would show up at the bowling alley, and they would be like, "Go ahead, go ahead." So they give me like a whole lane to do whatever I want. So there's like an episode where this guy's bowling, and then one of the bowling pins magically turns into the garden gnome, <laughs> and then it- and I would I had like a, a green screen. It was like. What I ended up doing was it had like a, one of those old Videonics mixers, and if you it, old, if you did like video work in the '90s, you kind of know what it was. But you had to have two VCRs, and it would do like effects between mm-hmm. the you know. So I shot fireworks one year, and I started like using that as my special effect. So whenever the garden gnome would appear, it would be like a spot, yeah, a firework, <laughs> and, and all this stuff. So I started doing that, and I was, and that's kind of where I got the bug, and then you know. I would just make little videos. And then I remember I was a lifeguard in the summers from like 95 to 99. And I would hear kids talking about them, not knowing that I'd made them. And I would, that was like, I was like, this is cool. I want to, you know, keep doing this. So um, I graduated in 98. And then I ended up doing two years of community college to get my gen eds out of the way. And then I moved to, I moved to Lawrence, Kansas and studied under Kevin Wilmot. And, and, which um, ended up working on CSA while I was there. So you you did that. Yeah, That's super yeah, cool. Yeah, and yeah, if so anyone has not seen that, that you want to talk about a movie that plays relevant now. Yeah, no, it's yeah. relevant now. More so. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah it's, it's, uh, um, yeah, it's scary how relevant it is. And so um, I graduated from KU in December of 2002, and then I just, I, I just decided to – I actually applied to grad school at USC, and I didn't get in. <laughs> 
So I saw that as I saw that as a sign. The reason I didn't get in was that my <coughs> my community college never sent my transcripts. So I was like, all right, well that's fate. I'm oh not no! Gonna, yeah, no, they oh, sent no. me a letter, which I was like, this is my transcripts, right? Because you're not supposed to you open. You didn't it. open it, did you? No. Okay. You're not supposed to. Yeah. yeah so oh, when no, I, mailed, I, know. I mailed it to the to USC, yeah. and they called me up like a month later. They go, yeah, we opened it, and it was a letter saying they couldn't give me my transcripts unless I showed up in person. Wait, what? Yeah. So like, dude, I, I, are you not supposed to open it? And find that out. Yeah, no, I know, because I was like, don't open it. It's my transcript, so I mailed it. But anyway. I work in higher ed, and that sickens me. Like yeah. that legit makes me. That's the kind of stuff that like I. Oh my god, Patrick, yeah. that's awful. Yeah. So, but okay. it worked out. Yeah, so I stayed. In, I stayed in Lawrence. I took a job, part time job at the TV station, and um, did you bring the gnome back. I did not bring the gnome back. It's funny in Nailbiter. If you look in the in the uh, in the cellar, there is a gnome that I specifically oh, put in there that falls off the shelf during the tornado. I love the fact that your whole town was terrorized by this gnome and everybody thought of it. Have you ever thought about going back to Nebraska and bringing the gnome like I'm back, and then just like <laughs> and just and it would almost be like. It was four. It was twenty years ago uh, well, today yeah. when the gnome first came. Wait, wait till the Fourth of July though, right. so at least we can get some right. fireworks going. I just show up in their business, and they're like, "Oh, we remember you." That was. That we was thought 20, you, we thought the curse was, was broken. Twenty-five, twenty-six years ago. Go ahead. That's what they would do. They would just go, "Go ahead." I mean, I showed up at the golf course. But, they're like, "Go ahead." But one thing that I don't want to gloss over is the fact that when you were up at KU, you were going to film school. Yes, like, film you school. were legit and. I listened to uh, the movie Crypt uh, with Joe Lynch and Adam yeah, Green. Yeah. Both went to film school. Yeah. And one of the questions I'll always ask people is, you know, did you go to film school? Do you think it's necessary? And I'm kind of curious, given your experience, you know, what do you think? What would you give the advice to I an aspiring? I would filmmaker? never. I would never do it differently. I would, uh, if I had it all, to do it all over again, I'd still go to film school. Okay. Like I, I think it's good to learn. I mean, because film school is what you make of it. Like you can go to film school and just kind of coast. Yeah. Or you can get really uh, involved with production and make friends. It, it's funny because I was working on a short film last weekend, and I was working with a lot of people that I went to film school with like 20 years ago. You and find your tribe Yeah, back you then. find a lot of the yeah. same people you work with, and it's like you build those relationships. Um, and so that's been invaluable, especially since I stuck around in Kansas City mm-hmm. to um, – keep those relationships going and now like it's funny because you know we've all decided to stay here make films here and we all have kids and we're, you know it's like it's been kind of it's kind of cool to see that you know um so yeah i wouldn't change a thing and i feel like yeah if i could you know if i had to do, uh, you know it was expensive of course of course you know grad it's- school would have been way more expensive <sighs> but uh you know i uh so uh, you know i decided to stick around lawrence and just it, it was around that time where Mini DV was taking off. Um, I had, just, I think, the last short film I shot on 16 millimeter was in 2006, and it, you know, wasn't very cost effective. So I decided to just, just move it. You know, and, and Mini DV was kind of on the. You could just go to Walmart and buy a stack of Mini DV tapes and get you know, get working. You know, mm-hmm. and and um, kind of cut my teeth on that, making little short films and stuff, and then. Um, playing them at film festivals. I think one of the first film festivals I got into was the New York City Horror Film Festival, which was was fun um, because it was like, oh, okay, it was kind of like, all right, I must be on the right track, you know. And then I had a couple of my short films from 
homeschool, actually. Um, get on that Fangoria Blood Drive DVD that they released, like, in oh, 2004. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two of my, like, student films are on that and um they're not very good films but it was for me what it was was positive reinforcement sure. i'm like clearly i'm Absolutely. meant to be doing this so um so those are the little things especially when you're in your early 20s that you need otherwise you know luckily i've had very supportive parents and supportive mm-hmm. friends because if you have any of that like pushback it, it can it can turn you off to making films because it is kind of a risky thing to do um, especially financially, it's mm-hmm. it's a risk, and um, it's not traditional nine to five, and and you have to kind of, um, I, it takes a little bit of of uh, courage to just kind of say, all right, I'm gonna dig in my heels and do this, you know, and and um, so I'm very stubborn, and I've decided <laughs> to keep making movies, and um, I'm in I'm in my forties now, and I'm still doing it. So. But it seems like that's an attribute you need to have if you're going to be. A yeah, filmmaker. I, I think um, who was it? Shane Black. I listened to him speak at a film festival, and he came came in and he said something like, "You have to feel like this isn't like something you. This is yours. This is what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't have to earn it. This it's yours. You. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And, and I felt like his. What he, when he said that, I thought that was... Plus, I was like, oh, my God, Shane Black. I'm in the same room with Shane Black. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Shane Black. Yeah. Well, but you also talked about kind of your support that you have, and that's right. pretty fortunate to have that level of just with family, because mm-hmm. I know with a lot of filmmakers, it's just it's whenever well, I can find the time. My parents especially have always been very supportive. I was 17, and they would take me to different film events in Omaha and Lincoln, and I met Alexander Payne. Oh, um, yeah when I was maybe 16 and then when he started shooting election mm-hmm. he his production company called my house and they invited me to PA for a few days so I went up there and PA'd on that movie for a few days which was really eye-opening because it was the first movie that I actually got to work on that was like you know it was Paramount and MTV and whatever and I remember thinking to myself oh my god this is really boring <laughs> you know, like you're standing around yeah. and like waiting for the camera to move and for the lights to move and stuff like that. And that was like, I was like, wow. But when you're directing, it's never boring because <laughs> you constantly are thinking and you're constantly thinking, all right, what's my next move? You know, am I getting what I need? So whenever I'm directing, it's just like I feel like time is moving too fast. You know, right. and, and so it's um, like you would be able to go? turn something yeah. over and stop time for an hour. Well, exactly. Ha ha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I've been, you know, making short films now, and I continue to make short films mm-hmm. um, between my feature-length films because I get really, again, I get itchy. I gotta scratch the itch of making a movie, and I also think that a lot of short films, films don't have to be feature length. They sometimes I think feature length movies should be short films. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I won't name any names, but I will say they're movies where you're like <laughs> this should be 20 minutes mm-hmm. and they've stretched it out. So, um, I've done like three or four short films in the last year that are just now starting to get some festival play and um, cuz I've had a lot of people go, "Why are you still doing short films when you're doing features?" I'm like, "Guys, it takes like 3 years to make a feature and sometimes longer to raise the money." And it's like I can't just not make a movie. Right? The, the little bit of insight we've been lucky enough to kind of see with some of the people we've been lucky enough to talk to on the show. It, it's a lot of gears going on. My in that God. Machine. Yeah. Anything so that gets made is practically it's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. And it's a miracle Absolutely. when it gets finished and when it, if it gets seen and people like it. You know, I always, everybody's kind of like, well, 
you know, even if it's a film that maybe isn't my best work, I'm proud of it because it got I got through yeah. the process. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, because <laughs> the distribution process is a whole other thing that I could talk for three hours about because it's just like it, it's you're not done ever. Um, and so like I'll be promoting a movie that I, like I made ten years mm -hmm. ago, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm still trying to get it out there and and uh, yeah, so you're never done. And it's, it's one of those aspects of filmmaking that I don't think people really are really aware of right. because it's not necessarily the fun side. Right. Well, I'm going to be doing a seminar in a few weeks on, on film distribution here in Kansas City. Mm. And um, I'm going to be doing it at the Bird Comedy Theater, actually, on, on August 26th. Because I feel like there's just a lot of things people need to know because it's the step that people kind of like... I don't know if they don't think about it. They fo they're so focused on production and post... Mm -hmm. When they get to distribution, there's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of things you need to be aware of, legally, especially. You need to know. I mean, they give you so much paperwork you have to turn in to get your movie on these streaming services, and then after you're on the streaming services, you need to be protected to make sure that you're getting, you know, what you need from the distributor, and they're being honest with you. It's just a nonstop thing, and that's one reason why the strike is happening mm -hmm. right now because streamers, streamers are not being honest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are owed residuals and um, not getting them. So um, it's a weird time. It's great for it's it's a good time to be an indie filmmaker right now because you can get your film seen. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also there's so much product that you have to make something that sticks out. And I think, um, for example, I am Lisa did very very well and continues to do well because it's something that I think. It's a revenge film, but it's a werewolf revenge mm -hmm. film, so it kind of sticks out. It's combining some, <laughs> combining two things that haven't necessarily been paired up, you know. And so I always tell people, before you go make a movie, think about your audience. Think about, is this something people want to see, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, because you got to think about also your investors and making the money back. That's you know, that's a whole other, other that discussion right. right there, you know. It, it's so... Um, I'm always telling people if you're making a movie and you want and, and these people want their money back, make sure it's something that people want to see. Mm -hmm. Well, even the no, go on. No, you got it. Well, and I was gonna say, and like the thing about the, you're distributing in, in your movies, especially with your shorts, like so many trials and tribulations. But you have such a positive is one word, but you have this like delightfully devilish <laughs> like vibe through the entire a lot of your shorts and through your films very Tales from the Caribbean yeah, or, or Tales or from the Dark Side Tales from the Dark Side specifically yeah, 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 yeah. There's, <laughs> there's humor because I would find myself like I was rewatching Island Lisa and just like cracking up at some of like well, the best friend lines and, and some of your shorts I'm over there like <laughs> yeah I like horror comedy a lot mm -hmm. even though it's funny because it's it rarely works um, it's really it's really tough to pull off in a feature because you have to sustain only a few movies have actually really not knocked it out of the ballpark, in my opinion. Fright Night being one, Scream, yeah. uh, Cabin in the Woods. Mm -hmm. um, but with short films, you, you get in, you get out. You know, you get in, you get out you're in under 10 minutes, and usually there's a punchline at the mm -hmm. end or a twist. Um, I enjoy that. I really do. And, um, yeah, some of my short films over the years have ended up in these anthologies um, that are all over the place, man. I, every, every time I, I turn around, they're on a different streaming service. And there's, some of them are, like, ones I made, like, we're talking like 2007, mm -hmm. you know. So it's hard for me to watch them because I'm like, oh my god. Well, you know, it's like looking at something you did so sure. long ago, and you're like, you see all the mistakes, and but I mean, everything's a step forward. So, um, and, and for me, 
like a short film there's a lot of people who will make a short film and then they show it at festivals and they retire it you know Mm -hmm. but now I'm like okay there's all these different places to screen your short films alter I've got quite a few on Screenbox right Mm -hmm. now um, on their show Bloody Bites Um, so there are all these new avenues now for short films to be seen and so every now and then I'll pull one of these out of the drawer and dust them off and say here you go take this one you know Um, because it hasn't gotten a lot of play the, the short film It's Hell Getting Old which is one of my favorites I ever I, I, I've made is about um, these four retirees trapped in an elevator and I couldn't show the film for years based because it was caught up in some uh, with a bunch of other movies and kind of this legal thing which is a whole other story and it wasn't until last year that I got the rights to show it and now it's it's on Bloody Bites and it's been on a bunch of other um, uh, like YouTube channels mm-hmm. and stuff like that but um you know, at some point, I was just like, I got to get people to see this. I shot it in, like, 2015, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and some of my cast members have passed away since then. So it's it's oh, um, Kip Niven, who was was in it, and um, he has since passed away. And, of course, he's oh. famous for New Year's Evil. Oh, my God. Oh, my... Oh, that's... Matt. Oh, Jesus. He's the killer in New Year's Evil. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. Good Lord. I actually, got, I actually got to work with him on several short films um, while he was in... He lived here in town, so... He was, a, he was local. Yep. Oh my god! I didn't. Yep. I didn't know well, that. Yeah. Well, then, growing up then as someone that loved genre and yeah. horror, and now following yourself this, I mean, do you ever look back and just take a second and go, "Oh shit, this?" Is pretty I bad. think for me, the big thing was I, I was obsessed with Fangoria magazine, <laughs> um, and um, I had a subscription in the early, the, the mid '90s, all the way through the like mid 2000s. I really, I, I just oh, the rough years. The rough years, yeah, when they changed the look a little yeah. bit and stuff. Um, and uh, I think I bought my first with my own money. Bought my first Fangoria in 1991. I think it has Freddy's Dead on the cover. Um, and so I was obs- obsessed with it. And in like 2012, they asked me to write an article about Nailbiter. So I got to write my own article for it. It was the issue that had um, Dark Shadows on the cover with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. And for me, that was like this moment where I was like, Oh my God, my my 10 year old self would be excited. Um, I was excited as a a 32-year-old, but my 10-year-old self would be even more excited. Because, I mean, the funny thing is I think back to that, and, like, my local grocery store in Schuyler, Nebraska, carried Fangoria magazine. That's I would go cool. in. I would go in, and I they would put it on the top shelf. Okay, I was gonna say it had yeah. to be at least out of reach. And I would reach it, and then I would pull it down to the bottom shelf. And while my parents were shopping in in the grocery store, I would go through it. I had to. I mean, I had to go to like B. Dalton and Walden Books. Like it was exotic, yeah. for, and that yeah. was I was in Overland Park, Kansas. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, you it guys, was very strange. Yeah. I think back to that now because all the the bookstores in the neighboring town had it too. And it was like it's a very strange. Some and cool buyers in your area. Cool town. I think about how weird that is now, though. Gore Zone, like the go, they had Gore Zone. They had Gore Zone. Really? Yes. I almost feel like I had to like specially order Gore Zone. Yeah, it was a very strange like thing, and I, I think about that now, and it's very odd because I'm like, it happened. It was weird. It was it, that, that doesn't happen in the small town. Yeah. Um, so that sounds like a tagline. It doesn't happen in small towns. Yeah, and they had Starlog. They had Starlog. They had Starlog and Fangoria in my hometown grocery store. Man, well, and I kind of want just kind of going into some of your shorts and your features. Sure. We just recently spent a month talking like dog exploitation flicks. Yeah, and I know that belonged to us. My one family movie, a family friendly film. Yes, you worked with 
dogs and kids. You work with kids quite a bit. Yes. You've got, you definitely have a way to working with yes. the youngsters, but dogs. Like, wasn't that bad. Wasn't really? That bad? Really? No, no, really it wasn't. Because um, everybody told me I was crazy for, for doing That's it. And that was a situation where the original director um, decided to step down and they reached out to me and I was happy to do it. Um, and I'm really, you know, the movie's on Peacock right now, so mm-hmm. it's done really well. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, that was a really good time shooting that movie. I just, there was no, I think back to it and there was no like hiccups, yeah. you know, it was very, and it, it could have been, we had a dog trainer on set, which made things easier, Yeah, you know, um, the kids were great. So I look back on it with no, no issues, no trauma. I had some trauma on one of my other movies, um, making it. That's why I can discuss maybe a little bit of it. Oh um, boy! <laughs> if, if you, we have a couch if you need to lay uh, down. Yeah, I mean, okay. So Nailbiter was great. Nailbiter actually, it's funny because like, it took like three years to shoot that movie. Like we got all the way, like halfway, two thirds of the way through it, and we ran out of money, and we had to take an entire year off, and come back and shoot the rest of the movie. And so that was. That was traumatic. The actual making of the movie wasn't traumatic, right. but that was traumatic because I was worried my actors were going to all shave their heads and look completely different. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, have Hanging acid them. hit their face, and all of a sudden, you know, like stuff like that. You have these weird. Why are you missing an arm? Well, and so, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, we'll fix that in post. Come on. <laughs> so you know, we shot that movie uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and we shot it in a lot of it was in this building. It was called the Reuter Building. It's where they shot a lot of Carnival, Carnival Souls. Souls. Yeah. So I felt, and I was friends with um, what's his name, John Clifford, who wrote Carnival of Souls. I, I became friends with him. He lived in Lawrence. He has since passed away. Um, and um, so I felt like this weird blessing of shooting this movie in in that that. Uh, but it's funny because that building had that guano everywhere, yeah. and we didn't know it. So yeah. a lot of the crew got sick. Oh. Um, on the first round of shooting to the point where some were hospitalized. Oh, and Lord. funny enough, the smokers were fine and I was fine. I, I felt like I was being punished because I was completely fine other than having like a massive mental breakdown from the thought of, I'm like, I've killed everyone. I've killed my crew. Um, but everybody um, recuperated That's and good. came back for the second round. Everybody wore masks on the second round. Um, we were preparing ourselves for 2020. Um, but this was 20, uh, 2011 uh, at that time. And um, it was funny because we started in like 2010 and we didn't get the movie out till 2013. You know, that stuff just, it just took time. It was really my first time experiencing a full indie feature. Um, and uh, it was grueling, but the shooting, the filming part was fine. Yeah, It was just that we ran out of money and people were emailing me are we ever going to finish this movie I had like oh, two thirds of a movie I couldn't you know um, but it was it was good and then Lionsgate put it out um, in the red box in 2013 which at that point the red box was kind of a new mm-hmm. a new thing mm-hmm. um, and then it played on the Chiller network for, say, Chiller for quite God, a, while. a long time and then that's where I caught it after Chiller went under the movies kind of disappeared and it's frustrating because I, I, I wanted to make a sequel and I was never able to. I had a, a script that was I was very excited about. Um, and I have since not been able to make it because it's 
complicated distribution mm -hmm. issues, which I won't go into, but uh, I've never been able to make the sequel. I think someday I will just do it, but um, it's been so much time has passed. But now it's like people make sequels 20 years later now, and people it, don't think don't even bat an eye. So no, I'm like, I'm, you know. Look, The Mutilator, technically, they just put, didn't they put out a sequel yeah, to that? Yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. it's the one of those Mutilator and like, yeah, so I'm not as worried about it. <laughs> I figure I'll, I'll do it someday. Um, but after that, I made a movie called Enclosure, which we shot. It's like the one feature I didn't shoot in Kansas City. And we shot in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, it started Fiona Dorif and Jake Busey. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a very tough experience overall. Um, Just based on the shoot itself? Yeah, it was 12 days filming a feature. Good God, 12, yeah, 12 days, days, days out of the forest. In a forest. And they, you know, we were shooting. Fuck all that noise. We were, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking insane. And we were shooting uh, in the woods, in the low uh, country, in December, which. Charles, Jesus. Charles, no, no, but here's no. the thing. Charleston, December is in the 70s. It's not no. bad. You would forget no. there was a week from Christmas. You would go in the grocery store and you're like, there's Christmas music playing. And you're like. But like what the short what, what time? Where am I? You know, I lost all. How did I get here? So, um, <laughs> what made it challenging was that you know, where the sun would go down at like, oh. or become unusable at like three thirty in the afternoon. Oh no! So we had a couple of days where we had to light, light the forest. It was like night for day instead of day for night. Um, the golden hours at noon. Yeah, it was, it was a challenge. It was really challenging, and. Um, yeah, I felt like it was just I, I, you know, that was a hard process to shoot a movie that quickly, and, and get it right in some in some capacity. And it was we changed the script. We originally wrote for the Ozarks. Michelle Davidson and I wrote the script um, together, and she lives here in Kansas City, and we've worked together on a lot of projects. Um, and through lots of different things, we were we we were able to get financing, and it came through, and we had to shoot the movie in Charleston. I ended up spending about a month, month down there, and um, it was just it was uh, it was tough. And you know, to add another layer to it, you know, it, they changed the title. <laughs> yeah. At the last minute, in fact, uh, it premiered at Fright Fest in London, which I was super excited about. Um, very proud of the film, uh, with you know the challenges that we faced. Heavy-duty makeup effects. They had to bring in an extra makeup guy to help out, um, and it was just very challenging. Um, and we had one day that was like 18 hours of filming, um, and we did like a. It was like a six-day schedule, one day off, and then another six days. Um, you know, and, and and so it was my first time making a movie in 12 days because I have since done it again, oh. um, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend it, but we did it. I do eat it again. So uh, when the movie premiered at Fright Fest, it was called Enclosure. And when the distributor picked it up, they were – this was 2016, 2017 when VOD was alphabetized. And they wanted an A title because the idea was the A's make more money than E's. I'm sure there's a report there somewhere. And it pr they proved it to me. And so of course, of course. I was like, all right, well, let me, you know, they go, give us 30, 40 options. So Michelle and I put our heads together and came up with many A titles that we were, that we were happy with. And they ended up going with Arbor Demon, which I have since gotten used to. 
Um, it played a Panic Fest in t- 2017, and I ended up playing here for like an extra week because it came out in February of 2017, and it ended up on Hulu mm-hmm. in in June of that year. It's not on Hulu now. Now it's on MGM Plus. It was on Paramount Plus for about two years, and now it's on MGM Plus. So the movie's gotten a lot of play. I'm very I'm very proud of the film. Mm-hmm. It just was very um, it was very different from. You know, I was working with a bunch of different people mm-hmm. that I'd never worked with before, which in many ways was good for me. You know, it got me out of my comfort zone. Diversify a bit. Di- exactly. And I've since worked with some of those people again, and they're great, great people. Um, the crew was wonderful. My DP was wonderful. Um, but, yeah, that was tough having to go through with that. Luckily, they didn't change the movie. I mean, that was a... I think uh, by the time the movie came out, they were we were arguing about the title for so long that, you know... They didn't have time to change the movie per se, so I, I'm happy with where the film has ended up, and um, it seems to still get um, attention, which is good. Um, but yeah, Arbor Demon was a little on the nose for me, and when they told me that was the title, actually they wanted they wanted Arbor. Oh God, what Arbor Apocalypse. No, Arbor <laughs> Dead or Arbor Devil, and I said, well, Arbor Demon, and they go, okay, we're sold on that. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so I'm actually partially to blame. You should- I partially there's no demons in the movie. There are creatures it's, that you could you could maybe uh, interpret as. But they're cool. I mean, like yeah. the monsters are yeah. cool. So was that a lot? It took eleven days, but how much of that was spent in the makeup chair for the act? Oh man, that poor guy. And I've worked with him since. <laughs> I worked with him on a TV show called The Inspectors, which was shot in Charleston as well, which is like a CBS kids show that I worked on. And so he was art department. He's actually art department now on the Righteous Gemstones. Really? Oh, really? Yes, oh, because my buddy Bruce Brannett <laughs> is the VFX supervisor. So, and Bruce is from here, but now he he does. Uh, he lives in LA, but does this the, the VFX supervision yeah. on the Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. So that's rad. very. Sm- the, I feel like the film community is very small. Um, but between <laughs> you know, after I got off of Arbor Demon, I did Belong to Us, which we j- we talked about, which was a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. You know, shot it all here locally. Did a lot of it in the Kansas side, um, and um, that movie's on Peacock now, and it was in Walmart it was on DVD and stuff. When you were making Belong to Us, were you like, okay, now here's the part where we're gonna have the blood? Wait, <laughs> we don't need blood on this I, one. That's right. That's right. It's that's funny right. though. I did talk to my DP Hahnemann Brown Eagle, who shot several of my features I said I don't want this to look like a Hallmark movie and so we intentionally shot it like it was <laughs> like an A24 movie I just don't look I just didn't want it to look and if you look at the cinematography it doesn't look like a typical Hallmark family film or a Lifetime Channel movie so I think that made it set it apart a little bit maybe. gives it an edge yeah I think it, I think it did it got a PG-13 because they took it to the ratings board and it got a PG-13 for violence and Dog fighting. The dog and, stuff always. And will. I think the the grandma in the movie flips somebody off, which it's funny because it went on Up TV's streaming service, and they, people were complaining about. It. They're like, I, I was reading the comments. They're like, the grandma. I don't like the grandma. She flips somebody off. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Have you never met an old there was, there was there <laughs> every was, old lady I mean flips me off. There was debate about cutting that out, and I said, no way, man. It gives that char- it gives her character. Yeah, you know I, that's is that. The strangest note you've ever gotten, uh, or is that? Cause I, I have to assume you've probably received some interesting. That was up there, you yeah. know. Um, and there were more guns in the movie. At that, there was a scene with more guns because there there is a scene in the film where the dad has to save the the you know the girl and and the dog and stuff. And Ryan Onan, who's on the show Queen of, Queen of the South, 
Um, and uh, he was great to work with. Um, but I get criticism for the gun now. And, I, you know, at the time I was like, it was, you know, it was 20, it was 2016 when we shot, but it was the summer of 2016. So it wasn't quite the political mm-hmm. atmosphere that it is now. Um, and I maybe would have done it differently had I shot it now. You know? That's great. Um, he would have ninja stars instead of a gun. Nunchucks. Yeah. Hells yeah. Um, Everything's better with ninja stars. Uh, <laughs> So then after that, it was funny because I met Eric Winkler, who wrote I Am Lisa, while I was making Belong to Us because I cast his son Owen as one of the, the kids in the movie. And he kept telling me about this movie. He's like, I've got this revenge horror movie. That's a werewolf movie. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I think I actually talked to him. First time I met him was at Screenland here mm-hmm. because he came to one of my – I did like a screening of some of my short films with um, um, with Jill with Jill Six mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, he was pitching the movie to me then. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and that thing, he didn't let up, man. And so he, you know, uh, we ended up making the movie. You know, and we shot it in 2019, right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We got the whole thing, you know, we were still in post up through the first part of the pandemic. Um, but it's, a, like I said, we shot it all here in Kansas mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. That There's- was a 14 day shoot. So not whole oh, fourteen days, Patrick. Come on, give yourself some breathing room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> High pollutant. Um, and and that movie had a hell of a lot more locations than Enclosure. Yeah, it did. You know, the thing about Enclosure that was interesting was that we shot a lot of that on the sound, a sound stage. All of the interior tent stuff was shot on a set. Oh. And all the exterior stuff was shot, that was shot in the in the woods. Okay. So we split the schedule so that we were in the woods and then we were the sound stage that we could control the lighting and all that, that but I Am Lisa has like t- 10 locations it's all over the place some of which are on the road right yeah. so we shot a scene say, in yeah, Spainland right and we shot mm-hmm. in those apartments down the street here the lofts mm-hmm. the park up the street here we shot there um, where the guy gets his throat ripped the, out yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that was a funny story shooting that because we had park approval so we had a so we they had a, knew they were we had a permit. Yeah. That's good. But At least what, nobody but, was calling cops. Yeah. Well, oh, but <laughs> the mayor of the Northland did not know, and him and the city council people came that night and watched us film, and they were they were not happy because um, the park gave us permission, but they never cleared it with the city council. So that night, I'm doing a scene where a guy gets his throat ripped out in the middle of the park, and um, the city council sitting there, and here's what I said. <laughs> They're going to get bored in 45 minutes and leave because it was yeah. going to take a good hour to do the makeup. Sure as hell. 45 minutes in, they're like, this is boring. They left. <laughs> so we got the shot. And the father's looking around waiting for the taillights yeah. to go, bring the blood! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was interesting because we shot that movie during 2019. It was very smooth, very fun shoot. That was probably one of the – we did have an incident with the police. Ironically, not he- not at the park. Um, we shot a scene in oh gosh, it's by Westport. It's a neighborhood by Westport. What's a what's the area around there? We'll blame my neighborhood, Pendleton Heights. It, it's, it was it was a very nice location. Um, Westwood. Was, I think it was Westwood. Maybe I bet it, it was day two of filming, right? And I'm filming a kitchen scene. Two people talking in a kitchen. It was Jen and Kristen Vaganos. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing cops in the backyard. And I'm like, what's happening? And, like, cops have surrounded the house that we're filming in. I'm like, what did we do? I'm like, everybody put your weed away. 
You know, I'm like, I've, I always felt like the grip truck was parked in the right place. I'm like, did we park the grip truck somewhere we shouldn't? What was going on? And they were all around this bag that was sitting in the backyard of the house that we were filming in. So finally I said, what the hell is going on, guys? I said, well, I can't film because there's a cop, like, in my shot. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that somebody had robbed a house two houses down, and they were being chased, and they jumped the fence, and they had stolen... Like a bunch of Cuban cigars, and in a, and they had them in like a duffel bag, and they just left them in the backyard. With a Kramer, it was so weird. And I'm like, I, I and at the time I'm like, man, this figures. I need a cop car for this movie, just not right now. <laughs> um, so that was one of the weirdest stories on that movie because it was funny because we ended up using one of those defunct a defunct police station not far from like, it's I'm not I can't remember the street it's on here in town. Mm -hmm. And I had to get, like, you know, security those days that we were filming. Nothing happened. It was peaceful, you know? Interesting. And then we do that, and then that's when I get That's when the chaos happens? Right. So, anyway, that was a funny story on that shoot. But, it, you know, generally that movie went very, very smoothly. Um, we had a very, very low budget. I mean, it was, like, under 100000 to make that movie. Under, under 100000 14 days. Um, got it in the can. I did po I edited the film. I, I usually edit my films, um, which is a tedious. But it, but I'm like I know what takes. I like you know what you're. It goes right. a little faster. It, it, I don't have to. And because I started editing in like the year 2001 at KU, yeah. I have I'm, I'm pretty good doing. at it. And I'm I don't think I'm people doing. realize how much of the storytelling comes from the editing. The editing, yeah. yeah. You change things. You think you're like okay, that line doesn't work. Let's cut it. Yeah. But when you're making a low-budget movie, there's not a lot of fat. There's not a lot of fat. Like I know, like I, almost every scene in They Way in the Dark, which is my new film, mm -hmm. it's like everything's there. Like I didn't cut anything out because I couldn't. I mean, we shot the movie; it was bare bones the way it was. Um, so I am Lisa ended up premiering here in town at uh, the drive-in, and we had like 340 cars, and this was during the pandemic. It was summer 2020. Yep. I remember that. And. Um, and then the movie had its film festival premiere online at Fright Fest, which is the big London festival. But it was a, um, and um, the movie ended up getting in the re uh, red box kiosks in January of 2021. And um, the movie's done well. It's on Peacock as well. It's on Screenbox, which I'm a big fan of Screenbox. Um, and um, we're hoping to make a sequel. It's one of those things where there's a script. Mm -hmm. um, the guy who wrote. WNUF Halloween special. Oh yeah, yeah. Has written the script. Oh yeah, and um, we're all really excited about it. If if it's all about money and getting the money to make it, yeah, Isn't because that, it's yeah. a bigger script, and it's um it's set in the city, and there's just more going on, and she's got. I I told the writer when we were I said it's Superman two, she's gonna fight three werewolves, so it's her versus three female werewolves. And the guy goes, and I said, it's during Christmas. So it's also Batman Returns. Fuck yeah. So it's a Christmas werewolf movie that's also like, you know, a combination of all those. If only in the line somehow you can have her say, funny, never seen garbage eat garbage before. <laughs> Might be one of my all-time favorite line deliveries well, in that funny. fucking movie. Well, it's funny. We have a, uh, a, I said, look, one of them's got to be like General Zod. <laughs> and then one of them has to be mute. So there's yeah, a mute the werewolf nod. who's got oh her tongue gosh. cut out and burned great. with silver. 
So, I mean, I'm hoping we make the movie because the thing is, uh, is like, I'm scarred not being able to make the sequel sure. to Nailbiter. So no, I'm terrified I'm never going to be... Like, I have to prove to myself yeah. that I can get this to happen. So, um, and then in 2021, um, we were still in the pandemic. This would have been actually more November of 2020. Um, my friend Megan Flynn, who's actually been in a lot of movies. She was um, in Up in the Air. I don't know if you've seen the movie Up in, Up in the Air with George Clooney. I've seen that. She's she's an airline. Uh, she's one of the flight attendants in the movie who gives him the can. She's, do you want the cancer? And it's a pun. So he stops and looks at her because she sounds like she says cancer. It's cancer. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she's she's worked with me on several things. She was a producer on Belong to Us. She was in the short film Now That You're Dead that I made. That was a vampire movie, like two thousand eight. It's in a couple anthologies that are on Screenbox or whatever. Um. She's like, I want to make a movie. And I'm like, great. She goes, I want to make a feature. And um, but she gave me parameters. She says it has to be shot in twelve days. Oh my god! And I heard this before. That check, I can do you that. Yeah. The I funny thing that. is, the funny thing is, when I was making Enclosure, the producers were like, "Hey, we're gonna do this in eighteen days," and then they would call me back, "Hey, we're gonna make this in fifteen days." And by the time I got to to Charleston to make that movie, they're like, "We're doing this in 12. I'm like, "Okay." So um, <laughs> trial by fire. And by the time somebody tells me that we're gonna make a movie in twelve days, I'm like, "Sure, it's easy." <laughs> Got it. It's easy. Got it. <laughs> um, I don't have any ulcers, surprisingly. Um, Impressive. So I was like, all right, I've always wanted to make a haunted house movie, but I've always wanted to make a haunted house movie that's different. Mm -hmm. And I had worked with Sarah McGuire uh, on several short films, and she's also in I Am Lisa. She plays the, the character who gets her face melted in the fryer. Which was a great kill, by the way. That poor girl. <laughs> Suffered a lot for the well, art. Well, I had to do that scene in two parts because, you know, she Lisa puts her face in the fryer, which we shot in an actual restaurant, I think in Kearney, uh, Missouri. It might, mm -hmm. been, it might have been Smithville. I can't remember. It was in a restaurant in one of those places. And clearly I couldn't do the under right. shot looking up through the water at her face in a real restaurant. Sure, sure. So we had to build something for that and shoot it like months later. So she had to be killed twice. Um, but it was funny because she spent like a good two hours in uh, getting the makeup done. And I shot the scene in like 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> I, and she was like, really, that's it? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then she spent a good hour and a half getting the makeup off. So by the end of the night, she was pretty pissed at me. But it was, it was she says she wasn't. But I remember she gave me a look. But anyway, she keeps working with me. So on she various, well, she's not. Pissed. She's not that mad at me. Um, so I wrote "They Wait in the Dark" specifically for her, um, and I wanted it to be an LGBTQ-themed horror movie. Um, and so I wanted to combine one thing. I, I'm a big haunted house movie fan, right? Poltergeist is probably in my top five, and Poltergeist is one of the few haunted house movies where it makes sense that they stay in the house. Because it's their only line of communication to their daughter mm -hmm. through the television. Every other haunted house movie, I'm like, why the hell are they staying there? Why don't they just leave? The second they say get out, you get right. out. Like yeah. uh, Amityville, I'm like, why are they staying there? You know, the second I the second I see some crazy shit, I'm mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. um, so, I wanted to make a, a haunted house movie where it made sense that she she has it's basically she's with her adopted son she's on the run she doesn't have a car so she's on staying in her childhood home which is on a farm in kansas and she's hiding out from her crazy ex-girlfriend so she has nowhere to go 
So when the crazy, weird, supernatural shit mm-hmm. happens, she really can't go anywhere. Yep. And so I wanted to have a real-life threat, which is the ex-girlfriend, and I also wanted to have the supernatural threat, and then by the time you get to the third act, they're both overlapping. Mm-hmm. That was my concept. And I was like, 12 days? All right, the script can't be longer than 85 pages, and there can't be more than four main characters. So it ends up being like a forehand mm-hmm. movie. There can't be more than maybe four locations, you know? We ended up shooting a couple scenes at a diner in Clay Como? Clay Como? I want to say it like Kokomo. I, oh, no, we all do. Believe yeah, me. Believe and, me. That's where you want to go. And uh, uh, it was great. We shot there. We shot it at a uh, gas station in Leavenworth. But the majority of the film was shot outside of Topeka. Okay. We found a, a perfect farmhouse that was nobody was living in it, but had basically been left alone. All the stuff that was in there that's in the movie is actually was actually in the house. Uh, the basement that the cellar is really part of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that's there was there. Actually, I had to make it more livable because it was so dusty and stuff that the crew would have had issues uh, with their allergies. From back guano. Um, from back guano. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had learned, my, learned. I learned from my mistake on Nailbiter <laughs> not to, do, to put them through that. So um, we shot in, in the summer of 2021. And then I had the film mostly edited by December of 2021. And then we premiered it in London at Fright Fest in August of 2022. And I attended. And I got COVID while I was there. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, it was funny because my wife and I went. And we English de- COVID. We decided to get stay in a hostel, which was a mistake. We're in our 40s, and we're, like, hanging out with college kids. <laughs> we're, like, we'll save money. We're not going to be there that much. And that's, I, th- I guarantee you that's where I got COVID. Um, but you, now the movie's... You're lucky you just got COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So um, the movie was released February of this year. Got a nice review in the New York Times. Um, currently at 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. And it, it, got, it got mentioned in Cosmo. It got mentioned in Collider last week. So the movie's doing well. I think it kind of is unique in the sense that it's not a typical haunted house movie. It offers a little bit of a different approach. Well, you've mentioned it's what is different that will bring people out, that will make people talk about Try it. Try to shake up the yeah. formula, because everything's been done. You have to yeah. find a way to kind of well, figure shit. out a fresh approach. You know what we just watched for the first time, both of us? Uh, the Haunting of Hell House. Yeah. Which? Yeah. The 70s movie? Oh, yeah. Or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal. With Roddy McDowell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. good. It's pretty, it's pretty scary, actually. So change, the change. The change. Yes. I, mean, yes. I, I, was, I actually was telling Travis, I was telling him I was watching that movie, and I'm like, this movie, I, I, it was one of the earliest DVDs I owned, mm-hmm. The Changeling. I don't know why. I bought it when I was at KU. I'd never seen it until, until college. But I was re-watching it on Screenbox, and I'm like, this movie's chilling. And like to the point where like I'm actually getting scared, and that doesn't happen that often because most of the time I I mean I watch everything, and I I don't know if I'm desensitized. We're talking about the same and thing I, earlier, it, and and so I it's like I purposely will try to watch the craziest shit possible. I just watch dash cam, and I it's funny because I I'm actually shooting a found footage horror movie right now, which I hopefully gonna wrap up this weekend. We've been filming it all summer. It stars Sarah McGuire, and the best way I can describe it is, actually, I had a scene shot here at Rewind Video. It is a found footage lesbian vampire romance. Okay. And 
I check and, check, and, check. I, I basically <laughs> wanted to make a found footage movie. It's an experiment. You know, I'm yeah. like I'm out there with it's I've dropped all the rules. Like I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just go out and make this movie. We don't really have a script, we have like Outline. So is it like an anti-Dogma 95 where it's, it's parameters, it's just whatever you want? And you got more yeah. than 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it'll be 10 probably after this week. Well, we did mention before, but uh, apparently you are collaborating with another individual, and he's been so patient, and I was trying to find the best way, but uh, please welcome to the show, who is also working on the found footage film, Travis Yeomans. Oh, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here, and, and especially honored that Patrick allowed me to be part of Anything he ever does, I'm yeah, he's always on, honored. He's worked on several uh, of my short films, and um, he's, he's crewed on what the movie's called. It's called The Night is Young, okay. which is kind of a... sounds very romantic, but it's a vampire movie. Um, and I'm just, you know, we're just out making it, you know? And, yeah. And I hope it works. <laughs> it's well, one of those things where I'm like, I don't know. So, Travis, how did you initially then start interacting with Patrick? Oh, uh, well, we met... 14, 15 years ago? Yeah. Our, our, wives, wives, our wives worked together. Uh, yeah, our wives worked in an art museum, and uh, my wife Libby, she came home one day, and she's like, oh, my best friend Kristen, her her husband's a filmmaker, and I'm like, yeah, right. Sure he is. <laughs> so she brought, she brought home some DVDs. I don't even think Patrick knew that that Kristen did you know that Kristen gave Libby a bunch of DVDs? She does stuff all the time. That she gave know. her a stack of movies, and I put in Paint Shaker, and I was like, holy cow. Like, this guy's good. Like, this is a real a filmmaker. filmmaker. And I was like, that's amazing, you know? Because I was already a movie fan. I just yeah. never thought in my wildest dreams I would ever meet an actual person who makes movies and at the wife, time. And your wife told my wife, he's got, my husband's got the biggest horror movie collection. My wife's like, oh, my, my husband's <laughs> got one. No, so, no, it will not compare. And it's true. Travis has probably the biggest horror collection I've ever seen. It's like a museum. Well, and it should be noted, Travis is wearing the Mutilator shirt. He's got a Severin hat. So he's basically kind of the physical manifestation of kind of all my interests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inner interests. He, has, he has more shoes. horror t-shirts actually, yeah. than anyone, too. Oh, thank you. I just got these. <laughs> just, wait, what are those? Are they... The shoes? Oh, wait, they're Vans. Okay. Yeah. They're cool. Dude, those are what, bright. What's this? What are the socks, Travis? Uh, these came from Meow Wolf. Oh, wow. They look like horror movie socks. For yeah, a second, I thought do, those were eyes, but those I thought they were octopuses. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting well, happy shit. there. Patrick was bragging off thing, talking about how he's got like horse pinker socks. I have horse pinker socks. I have about every Jason Voorhees sock you can think of. Um, I'm a huge. I'm wearing Crystal Lake shirt right now. Mm-hmm. Travis knows that I'm a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan. Like that's my favorite horror franchise, um, and really, honestly, kind of what my gateway horror was. Um, because I wasn't supposed to be watching it. Like, that's... Taboo. I Forbidden mean, fruit. Fr- Freddy and oh, Jason were sweetest. kind of... But I got to think my earliest... I, I had to think about what my earliest horror movie was uh, growing up. Because, I, you know, USA was cool then. All the time. I mean, yep. and in the afternoon they had Commander USA. USA and his groovy movies! And I was like five or six years old and I'd flip it on at my grandma's. And um, <laughs> I think he played Motel Hell. Yeah. They played all sorts of R rated in the middle shit of the, in the afternoon, middle of the day, in the middle yep. of the day, and I watched it with my dad. And my dad was very, my parents were pretty liberal people, and they, you know, uh, let me watch it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, permissive parents in the eighties, my, were like the my mom things. pretended to be con- like uh, conservative. She'd be like, "No, you're not watching Freddy." And then I would like watch Freddy, but it was, you know, 
it would be on TV, but then I had one of those dial TVs, right? And oh, yeah. I would switch oh, yeah. it to Nickelodeon. I think it was Channel 22. And then HBO was Channel 2. Cinemax was Channel 5. I watched that's Friday the 13th Part 5 probably as an 8-year-old. Oh, oh, boy. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a, one of the dirtiest that's ones. That's the yeah. one. But yeah. I watched it through the scan lines on Cinemax because, you know, <laughs> it, it would come in. <laughs> yeah. And I, there was but no... He's putting a magnet next to the TV and, hoping it'll yeah, 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 Right. I would move foil. the antennas and then the channel would just go... Din, 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 din. Like, that was the sound. Because it, it and, and I remember watching it that way. Oh, that's, so do you get so if you ever heard that sound again, would you get some like Pavlovian nostalgic yeah, kind yeah, of? Yeah, yeah. And I remember <laughs> PTSD. I was, yeah, oh, <laughs> like Danny so, from The Shining. Um, I was very obsessed with Friday the Thirteenth, and um, when Jason Goes to Hell came out, I'd like I bought the magazine, and I was just all like, you know, I have that. So I still, it's funny because I still have that magazine from '93. They put out the, and the cover starting to fall off. Um, and I mean, I have since this was kind of a fun story. 2003. Um, do you remember the website Cinescape? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was like they, it's not around anymore because they had a magazine too, I think, if I remember. Never got the magazine, but I, that was on my bookmarks. Yeah, it was. It was uh, every day. They had a contest to make a Friday 13th fan film and the winner would get to screen it in front of Friday the 13th in LA and so I made this short film pretty much in my backyard with my roommate Wade my roommate and it was called Rupert Takes Manhattan and it's supposed to be like Jason's lesser successful brother who wears a catcher's mask and he takes Manhattan but it's actually Manhattan Kansas <laughs> and he can't successfully kill anybody and I made the short and I end up winning the contest so I, I fly out to LA oh Jesus Christ and and this is when they were putting out that first box set. So they were supposed to include it on that, that first box set. Yeah. The one that everybody was kind of upset about because it wasn't great. Right. No, I... um, and it had the very thin cases for each movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so for whatever reason, that weekend I ended up meeting Larry Zerner from Pride 30 Part 3, who I've been friends with now for years. I actually took him to the Renaissance Festival here in town one year. Um, Fuck off is all. There yeah, it is. I, there it is. I, yeah, we have a running joke on the show where I say "fuck Shelley" every time yeah. I'm <laughs> because I love the dude, but I hate that character Shelley. That for I was 23 and it was my first time in LA and it was one of the weirdest weekends of my life. I went by myself. Um, they premiered King of the Ants, which was a Stuart Gordon movie, at this festival, and I sat behind John Landis. Oh boy! And it was one of the weirdest. I'm like sitting behind. I'm like John. And he was getting... I don't know if you've ever seen King of the Ants, the Stuart Gordon movie. It's uncomfortable. I think it ended up, like, the first time it got an X rating or an NC-17 or whatever, um, George Went beats a guy with a golf club. Till he, it just, it's just bizarre. Um, and then I ended up going to the Hills of Ice screening, and Wes Craven was there. And this is the first time I've ever met Wes. And it was so memorable because the girl who played the cave... the the Hillbilly girl from mm-hmm. Hills of Ice sat next to me. <laughs> and while watching the movie, she was giving me a play-by-play. And then occasionally grabbing my leg. But she, I sat there. Yeah, she was like, oh, oh, during <laughs> the scary parts. And I'm sitting there. And, uh, and then, you're get, you're, you're getting full, the feel around. It, it was, yeah. it was yeah. bizarre. And then the movie was the over. Hills have fives. The movie was, was the, you know, uh, 
was over. Then, G- then Wes Craven did like a Q&A, and he talked about, at the time he was going through the bullshit with Cursed. Mm-hmm. I think he had already... Oh, oh, okay. And so he was up there, and he was very depressed. Mm. And I'm like 23, and he's up there, and he's like, all I wish could I could just go back to the, the desert and make a movie like I did in the 70s with my friends. And I'm like, that was the moment where I realized this ain't ever going to get better. Yeah, that's Like, this is, like, he's in his prime and he's, like, depressed because, you know. And it was right before Red Eye came out, which was kind of a comeback mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was not in a good place. And it was interesting to see that. Um, good for him, though, for being at least candor and honest about that. I'll never I mean, forget that's... that because I was just like, oh, my God, this is Wes Craven. And, and he's, like, fighting these battles. And he's... Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Right? And it's not like he's early in his career. You know, that was towards the end. That was, you know. So um, I'll always remember that. And then um, they screened my short in front of Friday the 13th. Sean Cunningham was there. uh, Adrian King. Joe Zito sat behind me. And he, like, leaned over after it was over. And he goes, after they played my short, he goes, I hope this does big things for you. I'm like, cool. That was really cool of Joe Zito. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. So what was supposed to happen was the short was supposed to be on the box set as an extra. Mm-hmm. Well, there was some weird legal stuff, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And I was depressed about it. But then years later, Dan Farrens reached out to me, um, Daniel Farrens. Oh, who, so, yeah. Yeah, and um, he was, I met him that weekend. He was, at, he was with Larry. So um, I became friends with Dan and... Um, he reached out to me because he was doing his name was Jason and he's like I'd like to include a snippet of your fan film in the documentary mm-hmm. so there's a little clip in the documentary I gotta go back and watch it. and then there's if you've got the 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 DVD that has the extras it's one of the supplements it's one of the extras I think I have that I think yeah, I do too so Rupert, I know that Rupert Takes Manhattan watch it it's like five minutes not even five minutes and it's like Rupert yeah, and, and Manhattan, Kansas. It, it was, that was a weird. But again, those are the things that kept me uh, moving. Sure, you know, and as, as silly as that movie is, made it on mini DV and like literally like in the woods behind my apartment in Lawrence. Those are the things where I was like, all right, I must be on the right track of what I'm doing. So here I am, and 43, and I'm still doing it. And now I have a house and two kids, you know, and. Um, and it's funny because I had a lot of people tell me before I had my first kid, they're like, you better make your movies now before that kid is born because right. you're going to be too busy. And that was a lie. I've been able to make more films now. I've made more features since I've had kids, if you think about it. Because Nailbiter was she, – she was born in 2012. The movie came out in 2013. That's fair. But I've made before. all of those features yeah. now because I feel like I have to – there's no like waiting around anymore, or like right. I I have it's like it's, I gotta I gotta pay the bills. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like I'm gonna just keep making movies and find ways to make money, you know. And so that's kind of it's it's um I feel more motivated now that I have the kids. motivation's true. Yeah. Because there. there's a little bit if you're a bachelor, you're kind of like yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's a little bit more f- footloose and fancy free, and now you're like nope. No one to answer to but yourself. And, and then, I don't have a fallback plan. Yeah. And right. that's the thing. So. But now your kids are in the movies because there was a little cameo. Yeah, 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 both of them. Um, Violet has been in a couple of my recent films, um, and uh, Willow. I try, I try. I've done a couple commercials with her, but she's 
a little bit more squirrely than Violet is mm -hmm. at this point. She's only five. That's um, but Violet was doing commercials at the age of five. At the age of four, she was doing commercials. So, um, but I think both of them are going to end up being actors. I, 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 you know, and I will not deter them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to be like, you do what you want to do, um, and just know that there's some hardships that come with it. You know, I always tell KU film students, I'm like, you know, get out there and make films, but if you want to have a Lamborghini right off the top, you're going to be disappointed. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, so there are there are it's a it's a give and take. It just, I mean, it's one of those things you don't do it unless you can't see yourself doing anything else. Right. It's just something that you love and adore. I mean, listen, listening to all the, the trials and tribulations, why would you continue then to help out and collaborate? Like, you know, Travis, are you yourself? Are you you're, you wanting to get into filmmaking? Are you wanting to direct, write? Uh, sure. I mean, I'd love to. I, I, I'm no Patrick. <laughs> but uh, None of us are. None of us are. No, I mean, I've I've worked with Todd Sheets and and uh, Tim and Jen Friend and just you know a lot of local people and I just it's just what I love like I love film and, uh, and you know a, a lot of the things that I don't know just to me it's never been about making money obviously it's not my job so I'm not I can't speak for like the stress that Patrick has to face every day like you know that is your job but I. To me, it's just more of like, oh, that's fun. This is cool that I get to be involved. Yeah. And, the, and the trick is to keep it fun. Yeah. 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 I think, didn't John Carpenter say something like, if it stops being fun, it's, you know. It, yeah, he's a guy that knows how to have fun, if you look at him. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. John yeah. Carpenter, John Carpenter yeah. is hands down my favorite director of all time. Oh, he's great. Um, I mean, Spielberg and him bat duke it out in Thunderdome on which one's my favorite. But... Mm -hmm. um, and two, they're two very different directors. Um, <laughs> but Carpenter, um, I, I think it's because he came from indie film. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just every movie he's made, with the exception maybe The Ward, Ugh, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I love. I love. Yeah. I even love Ghosts of Mars. Oh, I've, I've grown of course, because Ghosts of Mars is fantastic. I, I, I found myself watching it like every day on Pluto TV recently where it was playing. I was like... Hey, Ghost of Mars is on. I'm gonna watch it again. <laughs> I will admit, I did not like it the first time I saw it. I'm slowly coming around to it. It's for it's, me. It's the power of Jason Statham in his hair. It's the hair. <laughs> right. It's so unsettling. It, it, and here's the thing: is uh, maybe I have a thing for Natasha Hendrich too. But well, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I remember seeing Species. species. Oh hey, boy! Here, oh, here's a little known fact. Here's a little known fact. For whatever reason, my theater in Schuyler, Nebraska, would get. MGM movies opening day, because most of the time you you know you have to wait run. a couple of weeks to see. Sure. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, like every time there was a new Bond movie, Goldeneye first day first night it was it was in Schuyler, Nebraska, and Species was oh, in Schuyler, cool. Nebraska <laughs> opening that opening night, and we all went. You know? So that's ninety five, ninety six, ninety five. It would have been ninety five because then Species two was ninety seven, and yeah. I remember I went and saw that opening night in Schuyler, in Schuyler, Nebraska. <laughs> Um, You're like, oh, it's Natasha Hentridge in the yeah. movie. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. My dad's newspaper, my dad ran a newspaper in my hometown, shared a wall with the theater. So I was seeing R-rated movies way, way, way early. Know. Like, yeah. I went and saw Child's Play 3 by myself. My dad would just walk me to the theater, and he knew the guy, and yep. he was just like, let him in. <laughs> and it was up to the parent. 
you know and uh, mm-hmm. but it, but for me the summer of 1990 was like the big summer for me because well 89 90 are like the two summers where sure. i remember every movie i saw very clearly but 90 was the year i was like okay dad you're taking me to robocop 2 and he's like i heard it's really violent and then he took me to it and he sat there and i remember he sat there and he just kept saying holy shit <laughs> when the robot takes his face off yeah yeah i love that scene but like but like the scene like that, you know there's a bunch of stuff in that movie there's a little kid who's swearing and he's a drug dealer um probably your first introduction to tom noonan back in the day no, Monster Squad was yeah, my first Monster's introduction. Oh, that's, no, that's fair. Movie. You're right. You're right. Um, and then Wolfen. Uh, oh, w- w- Wolfen. Wolfen, a movie that I think is pretty good. I, I like that movie. But anyway, so 1990, I saw RoboCop 2, Die Hard 2, and Predator 2 all in the theater. Ooh. And I remember being very, very uncomfortable during that scene in Predator 2 where it's the skyscraper Jeez. and it's like the two yep. people having sex. Yep. And yep. I was like... It wasn't the violence that made me uncomfortable. It was that moment. Right. Um, and, nine, and then just a few years later, Genius would have a really a rough time. Uh, both of us, actually. Did anyone see Silence of the Lambs with their parents in the theater? Uh, no, yeah. but... No, I saw it with my parents. I, I saw Predator 2 with my parent, with my mom because she was like, I want to see Predator 2. And yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah. But So the sex scene didn't bother because every now, if I was too young, she'd yeah. put the eyeball thing. <laughs> I got that a lot in Silence of the Lambs. That was a very questionable, like, what's happening? I, I rented it on home video right when it came out mm-hmm. and watched it with my mom and my grandma. Oh, no. Oh, yes. God. In, in, a, in, a, in their small living room. And it was weird because it wasn't weird. That's, that's cool, though. Yeah, that's it was one of those Demi. things. Yeah, no, no. It was one of those things where, like, afterwards, it was, there was any weirdness. My mom had already watched it. Which I don't know. Like, my parents, like, it's weird. Like, they were very, like, there were certain movies, like... That's funny. Um, they went and saw Basic Instinct without me, obviously. Um, I remember that. I got a, a, I was 12, and they were like, we're going to see Basic Instinct, and you're not coming. I was like, what? <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's Wait till I see that it's, one on home video. Yeah, 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 yeah right, right. Um, you know, uh, I, I, the thing about growing up in the 80s and 90s is that you could go see movies by yourself, and it wasn't scary. Like, my right. parents, I saw Willow in the theater four Ooh. times. Four times, right? It was the first movie I saw in the theater multiple times. I loved it so much, I named my kid Willow. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my parents would just drop me off. Yep. And I would just sit in the theater by myself. And, like, you, I would never do that with my kids now. Different time. Yeah, right? another I would, time. I, another I think place. about that, I would never do that now. Like, even my kid, uh, is my oldest is 10, almost 11. Still wouldn't do it. When I was 11, my I saw RoboCop in the theater with my nine-year-old cousin yeah. by ourselves. Yeah. Like, it was just what you did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You did. yeah. My mom yeah. was just like, okay, drop you off at one end of the mall. She's going to be in the air. Hope the you don't get picked mall. up by yeah. anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll yeah. meet you at the food court in about eight hours. <laughs> I, I remember Ro- when RoboCop played in, in Skyler, it played next to Spaceballs. Oh, my God. And my neighbor, I was, be- I was best friends with my neighbor at the time, and he and his dad took me to the movie. And it's funny to think about it now. I think those both those are classics. Mm-hmm. And they're both playing side by side. Yeah, so Spaceballs would have been on the left, right? Because yep. then RoboCop was I, on. And I went and saw it in the left. And the dad went and saw RoboCop. And I, I was did. just like, after the movie was over, all I could do was ask him about RoboCop. The thing about RoboCop, my wife gets sick of me mentioning RoboCop. I have a, I'm a huge... <laughs> RoboCop is in my top five movies of all it's time. Perfect film. And it's... it's, it's yeah. it, 
and it gets better now more than ever. It's just it's so it's so good. Yep. So if you were a kid in the eighties, what a confusing movie. Because it's a cop that's a robot. Why wouldn't kids want to see that? And they marketed it in a way. They had a cartoon. Action they movies. had action figures. With comic a, books. Comic books. And Video they're games. like... And then, so when RoboCop 2 came out, I was I was older. And I'm like, let's go see it. And it's even more violent. <laughs> and it's more gory. And I think, it's, I think RoboCop 2 is underrated. I think so, too. Well, I think RoboCop 3 deserves all the scoring. I will agree on that one as well. And that's rough, because that's Fred, Fred, Fred Decker. Fred Decker. Yeah. And I remember we were, I was in junior high with RoboCop 3. And, you know, it was the thing where everybody, every weekend, would you go. Movies. Right. That's what you did. And I remember, I maybe I was lying to myself, but as a 13-year-old, I liked it. But now I watched it recently, and I'm like... No, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's kid glasses, nostalgia yeah, glasses. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, but that's not that's not necessarily true because I still love the Masters of the Universe movie. Like, I do too. I, I'll now go to bat for Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I think Super Mario Brothers is a fun movie. Um, I, I took yeah, my sister to that movie. <laughs> um, I did a. I, I remember that weekend. I did a. I did. I, I did a triple feature. I did Super Mario Brothers, Cliffhanger, and Dave. Ooh. Ooh, with Kevin Klein. I like Dave with Kevin Klein. That's that a, to me is the kind of triple feature that worked, and that's what you did in '93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. I, it was funny because I was like '96. I was going through the '90s, and I was on Wikipedia, and I was counting how many movies I saw those years. Mm-hmm. In '96, I think I saw 65 movies in the theater. Not shocked. Um, Not shocked. And I was just like, I can't do that now. No. Yeah. No. I can't. As a parent, especially, you're like, I mean, I, but I, I did the Barbenheimer thing. I loved it. It was great. I saw Indiana Jones twice. I, I think this summer I've seen more movies than I have in a while. And, and well, I think because, I mean, we've got stuff from our childhood. You've got Top Gun. You've got Indiana Jones. Yeah. You've got, I mean, Jesus Christ, the entire Marvel thing, which I'm. That's a whole other thing because that's a. I'm getting winded. Yeah. I'm getting I'm winded. Hitting, I'm hitting the fatigue. I'm hitting. There. I'm, I'm fatigued. But. It's kind of nice, though, that people are coming back to the theater. And oh, it's, yeah. The idea yeah. is it is a sacred space, mm-hmm. and it's where things deserve to be seen. And yeah. that's why we're, we're very fortunate with the Friday Night Frights and just having yeah. Screenland here in the backyard as someone that is very yeah, Screenland generous is, and open to I, genre I always tell people it's my favorite theater. Yeah. Um, and uh, Panic Fest, is, it's just great to have that kind of festival right here, 10 minutes from my house. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean... It has felt like the, the Barbenheimer. I, I talk about something where the, more people were just flooding the theater. I haven't seen a line out the door how long in so long. It's since been a, a minute since like Phantom Star Menace Wars prequels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'll even go since like further. Yeah, Phantom Menace, maybe Endgame, maybe yeah. a more recent one. Sure. But other than that, yeah. I mean, nobody was lining up out the gates for uh, the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, you know, so yeah. like. It, it just it's what I think hopefully they're seeing and I I, I know they're going to take the long, wrong lesson from this I'm oh, sure absolutely oh, yeah. they're going to start doing, they already have <laughs> well, like I keep seeing Saw Patrol because yeah. Paw Patrol and Saw 10 come out the same weekend Sucks. And, and here's the funny thing about that guys you have to rescue some before, people I will absolutely see both those movies that weekend sure out of out of it's I've never do. missed a Saw movie in the theater. Me and you have parental obligations. My daughter <laughs> is like, we're going to Paw Patrol. I'm like, okay. Because yeah. she has nothing but Paw Patrol toys. So, um, 
So I am destined for you. And just think about the eventual Paw Patrol like requel movie or legacy movie they'll make thirty years from now. Right. That you right. know right. she's gonna be dragging her kids. Live to. action. Yeah. Live action. Paw Dark Patrol. and gritty. Yeah. I told a friend of mine that uh, about Saw Patrol, and uh, he. He has a little kid, too, who loves Paw Patrol, and he was just like, oh, God, tell me that's real. I just want to see those dogs get murdered. No. <laughs> I was like, well, that Almost got a, dark, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's actually... It's mm, kind of a legit Somebody's going to do a fake trailer for that. It's um, got to happen. It's the internet. It exists out there. You know, right? to be on the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this one's a prequel, because it takes place between two and three. Two and three. How are they going to do that? Uh, uh, anyway, I'll be curious. Uh, you know what? I liked all of them, even though, you know... I like Spiral. Go make sense, but that, that I like them. Yeah. And I'm not even... A, I haven't seen all of them, and I actually enjoyed this. But I, I've, I'm probably the eldest here, and I think I go in with like so low expectations on movies yeah. where anything will impress me, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good philosophy, but I've had mainly positive experiences through most of the films that have come out yeah. here, you know, yeah. good or bad. I've enjoyed them. Yeah, exactly. that, that actually makes me think of, you asked me about why I would want to continue being part of movies and stuff. Yeah. And, and I will have to say, like, after, after work, like Nailbiter, when I was, I was an extra on Nailbiter and just seeing the amount of work that goes into it. And like Patrick said, you know, when you're, when you're a PA or an extra, you're just sitting there kind of twiddling your thumbs until it's your turn to do something. And so it, it was a whole day long. We were shooting at the airport and I wasn't really... I was just there, you know, and but I was watching Patrick and and Hanuman and all these people that were so impressive to me, and they're just and it's just like the amount of effort that goes into anything that you if you've made a movie, yeah. mm-hmm. you if you've been any part of a movie, if you've been behind the scenes, you can't you know talk bad about a movie that comes out because of that that somebody put in work. I, yeah. I mean, I always try to find something, even if the movie's not great, I try to find something about it that I like. Um, because people put their heart and soul into it's it. It's their lives, know? yeah. Right. Well, that's why I'll, I'll, if something doesn't work for me, I'll never say it sucks. If anything, I'll just say it just it's not for me. Right? Yeah, yeah. It just didn't right. work for me. Totally. didn't vibe with me. And while movies will inspire my anger, I always do try to find something positive, yeah. even if I'm like, even if I despise everything about the movie. I know that somebody put a lot of hard work and time and effort and, into and it. And here's, here's the thing, and this is obviously something to say to people who are just starting out in, in filmmaking. That initial, when Nailbiter came out, IMDb comments were kind of the, you know, and I was taken aback by how merciless people can be, and um, it it really was a test because you're like, oh God, do I want to keep doing this? Because you're like, you've worked your ass off for three years on something only for somebody to tear it down with a paragraph, you know, and it's, it, it is, it's rough. And I stopped taking it personally, and it's a very strange thing, because now, and I know that because I used to, it used to bother me, and then after a while, I think why why wouldn't it? You go through it a couple times, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Eh." you know, um, I still find things, people will either love a movie of mine or hate a movie of mine on Twitter, and I'm like, at least they're talking about it. I have to be, I have to look, put a positive spin, you know. it was interesting because they way in the dark, you know. Um, there's, you know, the LGBTQ aspect to the story, and I was amazed at 
some of the comment, comments, and I'm like, these are people that I'm just like, oh my god. It is 2023. I mean, when you're making the movie, you don't think about that. You never think about that. You're just doing the, th- the telling the story you want to tell. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, I'm like, well, I'm proud of the film. It's out there. Most likely, the person complaining about it has never made a movie, and they would mm-hmm. completely change their attitude if they did. So. Well, and ideally, if you would like to see it in the theater, you and you're in the Kansas City area, it is playing at Screenland, August 28th. There's a 7.30 and 9.30 screening, and then on August 30th, there's a 7.30 screening. And I know I'm going to be attending one of those. because I, I, will, I will be there for all of them. Awesome. Hey, so do, you, can we do a little impromptu Q&A if we can? I would love that because there? I think KC, Film, Film Society KC was yep. asking about it. Yep. And um, that way you can you can help great. with that. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. We'd, really? yeah, love to. And that's, also, you should know, Genius, on those days, the cat Cat video. video fest! Yes. I'm... Can't wait for that. I'm so fucking stoked for Cat Video Fest. What is Cat Video Fest? It's, I was asking him about that. I don't it's just a bunch of <laughs> random cat videos, it, but it's put together to form a very loose narrative. It's very strange because I it actually cracked the top 30 at the box office last week, and I saw it. I was like... it's. Because I, I, I saw it on the schedule at Screenland, and I'm like, what it's is this? hour and a half of cat videos, like just little <laughs> mini cat videos put together. It's like a found a, footage cat video movie. Yes. Pretty much. Yep. Very loose, and very it is, loose narrative. But it's you a, just need to feel horrible. as long as you love cats, it's Oh, my wonderful. goodness, they're my wife, my wife would, My wife needs to see this. It's, um, it's well worth it. And especially when you've got just a theater full of people going, Aww. Aww. <laughs> Normally, there's we always yes, preach no talking, no comments, but at the same time, you can't help. You gotta like, react. Look at it's that like, baby! It's like, it's like America's Home Video, America's Funniest Home Videos come like yeah, it's, it's pretty a movie much form. as a movie. Wow. America's Funniest Home Videos, the movie. Well, and I know I want to kind of wrap things up here. We've been we've been rolling, and it doesn't seem like but we're almost going two hours here. No shit, no shit. Um, you both are going to be taking in Talk to Me after this. You guys yes. are going to be watching it afterwards. Now, I've I will just say this because I'm not going to spoil anything, but I've seen it twice. I really dig it. Genius, he liked it. I liked it, but I didn't love it. All the hyperbole. It's the hype. Although, like, it's the scariest movie of. Well, I, you know, I fucking hate that. I've heard that now so many times that I immediately my expectations lower. Okay. Um, Mine raised though, because I'm like, all right, fucking, you got something to prove, prove it. I'm always, I always find that there's a movie that unexpectedly scares me, and I, I like where I'm like, oh, I didn't even hear about this movie, and I watch it, and I'm like, oh my god, that actually was creepy. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Terrified? Terrified. Ah, uh, oh no, I it's on Shutter, and I haven't seen it yet. Argentinian, fucking terrifying. It I've is heard that. I've heard an that. hour and a half of just pure terror. I had to stop watching about 20 minutes, and I text him. I was like, I'm out. i got to take a break. Like, yeah. Five minutes it's into terrifying. the movie, I told him, I, I think I texted you, fuck this movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's no pretty kidding. intense. Okay, it's pretty that. intense. Uh, but I will say, though, talk to me, though. First-time filmmakers, unbelievably assured. Like, it's just yeah. unreal yeah. just how... That. And just impressive, and I and apparently there's going to be a talk to me, yeah. possibly, but because of course, because it's making money. But horror has been doing well, That's and good. I think it's because as long as we get more news, I really want to make a movie for A24. So if they're listening right now, hire, hire me. There it is. Um, and we know I, he works well with kids and dogs, so yes, let's you know, yes, make that happen. You can, might you might have two like happy sensibilities. That's true. That's true. I'm more like I probably <laughs> I'm probably more Blumhouse than I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah but um, that's, you could be both. I mean, Spectre, maybe. I would love to see a, 
a, a Spectre Vision movie. Yeah, I, I actually fun. met with them once in after Nailbiter, and, and they I pitched them in closure, but. Uh, yeah, I'd love to work because I would guys. say a lot of, especially even some of your shorts, man. There's just that fun. They're fun. That's why they wouldn't fit in the A24 mold. I mean, even with <laughs> I am Lisa, there's parts where I'm cracking up. I'm, I'm having a blast. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there's like. Here's the thing, though. You guys need to see They Way in the Dark. There's no humor in that movie. I was in a dark place when I wrote it. So oh, uh, this is your. This yeah, it really is. <laughs> Which is why it's funny because like now I'm doing this found footage movie where I'm basically it's, having... I'm it's it's tongue in cheek I'm okay. just I'm just I, I hope it works I'm always you never know it may work it may not work but I'm doing it and I here's the thing is I one thing I will say I I, I do have fear of failure but it's not enough to make me not make something That's you know fair. what I'm saying like I will right. if something doesn't work I'm still happy I did it. You know, um, well, it so, just seems to me like everything you do is building towards something better well, and, and just learning. And and the fact that you're positive about it and you're having a good time while and, and yeah, and you, you hope like that se- you film. hope that seeps into it the final does. product. It, it does. does. Um, but yeah, so hopefully the found footage movie will be ready next year. It's going to require a lot of post sound work. <laughs> I mean, I've been filming in real like active locations, so like bars that are open, and you know, just a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm you know. I'm, I'm just going out. We're just going out and doing it. And the, you know, the thing about found footage is you can't make it look too good, but you can't make it look so bad that it can't be watched. Sure. So it's very interesting because I've been watching a lot of like recent found footage movies, like Dash Cam, which I actually really liked. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of been a polarizing one. Um, it was all shot with iPhones, but of course it's Blumhouse, so there's cars flipping and there's like the part where she's completely underwater and it's like you just know a little bit of production, right, there. right. And I can't do any of that stuff, but like I, I just you know I woke up one day over the summer here and I said I, you know, reached out to Sarah and and uh, Jake Jackson. I said we're just gonna go do this and see what happens. Okay. So that just sounds like what you do. You get out yeah. there and you make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, looking and just, you know, I was talking to Jacob uh, over at Screenland. I mentioned that we were going to be talking with you. He's like, dude, he's always he's always filming. And I think the last time I actually saw you, I don't know if you saw me, you were you were shooting outside of Screenland. Yeah. In the midst of shooting something. I had just seen a movie and I, I was going to say hi, but I'm like, dude, he's in the middle. Don't be that Yeah, guy. no, and that short film. Uh, What's going on over here? He's like that, staring that, right in the camera. That, that short film is called Super Happy Fun Clown, and it's kind of a horror movie with a female clown. Uh, it's oh, a, no. Yeah. oh no! Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> scratching a particular itch. Yeah, <laughs> and in fact, it may be turning into a feature at some point. Oh shit! Yeah, so it's a female clown. I would describe it as Pearl with a clown. If you need a victim, um, Pearl, I really enjoyed. I don't know if you guys don't. I loved Pearl. So it's. I would best describe this as Pearl with a clown. She's she has an abusive husband. And it's just. Uh, but but uh, um, the short film is starting its festival run. So and we've gotten into a festival, which I can't announce yet. Um, but it might be in Peru. Um, yeah, I probably can't go. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so yeah, that we were filming that outside of the Screenland, and and, and um, you know Adam Roberts has always been very supportive. Let me film and rewind video for the found footage mm-hmm. movie. Um, so you know it's good to have this kind of infrastructure in Kansas City. And I know, I mean, and I can't say because I'm not a filmmaker, but it seems like for the most part it, everyone seems to be very supportive ideally. As far as I know, everyone likes each other. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that's just it because no, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, there's it's, a number, but also... There's no like north side, south side no, beef going no. on, so... No, not yeah. at all. And everybody wants, 
everybody else to succeed because yeah, it just yeah. makes this the the it makes the KC film scene elevate. You know, yeah. everybody wants that because it's like people joke about oh well we want to turn this city into the next Austin or whatever. But one of the things that Austin did was people stuck around and yeah. kept making stuff, and they didn't go out to LA and and you know. So I think that that's kind of where and they support each other. So and I, I'd like to think maybe it's a Midwest thing as well. Possibly. Absolutely, and there's not a lot like you got to think about it. Like Kansas City, it becoming a film hub, it makes sense. It's right in the middle of the country. Sure. Yeah, you know, cost of living's cheap. Well, cheap for the cheaper. for the most part. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it just makes sense, and and I I mean I hope it continues, and I don't plan on going anywhere. So, and that's well, the other thing is I we I'm. I will always mention the fact that this podcast has led me to a number of things that I never would have had the chance to do before, and actually yeah. meeting you, yeah. talking with you, yeah. having you in my circle of people I know. It's like this is yeah. this is cool. Yeah. Same thing now with you, Travis. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> and <laughs> as long as you keep pumping out the movies, we'll keep watching them yeah. because we're generally fans. And especially. you know, you know, you you may like one more than the other, and it's that's just the way it is, you know. And and uh, I've been doing a lot of short films where I'm the director for hire, you know, and if I like the script, I think it's a different, you know, I did a comedy short last year and, you know, and uh, just, for me, it's all about, can I see a vantage point where I can kind of put my stamp on it or whatever. But but, but I I sent you guys Chloe's happy hour because it's the one that I shot in April and we did it in two days and and, um, had a lot of fun with it and starting to play some film festivals and, and, uh, it's at Happenstance Film Festival, Happenstance Horror Film Festival. Um, it's I, I I'm, I'm waiting because Film Freeway. You you submit your movies through mm-hmm. Film Freeway, and it there's a delay. You submit your movie, and then you have to wait three months to hear if you got in or not. You know? Traffic oh. jam on the freeway, huh? Oh, yeah, my yeah, Lord. yeah. That's... So you can want to submit early because that's when it's cheaper. Sure. But um, money, money, money. But yeah. So just gonna keep making stuff, and as long as I have blood going through my veins. Can I say something real quick? Uh, ties back to Patrick and uh, his old movies and Friday the 13th. Uh, when I was at Patrick's wedding reception, I met Harry Manfredini, the uh, composer, obviously. And yeah. He was so enamored with Patrick, and he did how many movies of yours? He sh- he did the music for Get Off My Porch, mm-hmm. um, and then one called Mrs. Brummett's Garden. Uh, I met Harry. I can't. I can't even remember the first time I met him. I met him in L.A. I, and and we hit it off, and he scored a couple of my short films. And I've got to get him to do a feature of mine at some point. Um, we've lost touch, you know, through the pandemic. It's been a while since I've talked to him. So sweetest guy, though. Very yeah, he came cool. to my wedding. He was so very cool. nice. This is your, you just sent a text. Say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, you, it's funny because like I used his music. That was part of the reason why they couldn't get that Rupert takes oh, Manhattan the- short. On the box set, there was issues with the music because I used his music. You were allowed to use it for the contest. But in terms of, but then when they ended up putting it, they ended up figuring it all out for the his name was Jason uh, DVD. So, um, but uh, and I ended up working with him later. And Get Off My Porch is probably one of my funny enough. Get Off My Porch stars uh, Catherine McNamara. I don't know if you guys know her. She's is she no? Is she the tall one or the short Girl Scout? She's the taller one. She killed it in that. She was. Well, and now she's a big time star. I'm not shocked. She's she on. She had her own. She, oh my god. She's the Walker Texas Ranger spinoff. She was the star of it. Walker oh, Walker Independence. That's her. Oh. That's her. Growing up. Oh. I, yeah, she, she had a 
she was the lead on she, she was the lead on Shadowhunters, uh, which was that sh- show that was based on the Moral Instruments. Holy shit! Yeah, Good she was her. the um, and um, she was in the, the Stand. Well, I have to wonder for a lot of actors, like shorts are kind of almost like training grounds in a way, and just you know, chance to do different things. Yeah, and yeah. I yeah. just that's really yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, she's she's really done well for herself, and and um, yeah, that's so cool. And again, just the fact she was that thirteen when I did that short. Now she's like twenty seven, something Wait, like that. Uh, time flies. Yeah, the inevitability <laughs> of time. Yeah. Well, that being said, it's been. It's been way too long for us to actually have you on an episode. I proper, appreciate man. you guys having me. No, no, and honestly, it's we'll it's, probably see you again talking to you yeah. again here well, honestly, shortly, actually, because Pure Slash and Bash, and Bash is coming we'll be up. There. That's right, and they're showing Day Away in the Dark. Oh, uh, good! We're gonna get a chance to see it. Yeah, excited. It's gonna be a good time. So again, Travis, it was very nice to meet you, nice and again, to meet you too. hope you get to continue to collaborate with Patrick, and ideally. Hopefully, we'll have you on with doing a film of your own. One of the past short players. Feature. I'd be the, delighted. The Ray Regulars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, the way to do it. So, again, man. We <laughs> the Regulars. <laughs> better than your regular, obviously. <laughs> uh, but, no, man, sincerely. I appreciate you, you taking Thank the time. You. And continued success, man. Thank you. Filmmaking. I appreciate now, that it. being said, next week, we will be talking Slash and Bash. Mm-hmm. However... All the stuff is happening on a Saturday. Right. So, so we're we'll going to be dropping a little bit later. later. Probably on the Sunday. Right. So you're, we're going to be a little bit late, but we're still coming to you. Yeah, absolutely. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.